my biggest thing going into this week's college football playoff rankings on Tuesday, where is Baylor? I want to know where Baylor was for two reasons. So Baylor lands at seven, and this is something that Chase and I talked about on Sunday's episode of the High Motor Podcast. They're at seven. You would think they're in with the win over Oklahoma and the Utah loss to Oregon. That's something that Kirk Herbstreit said immediately after the rankings came out on Tuesday night. But, but are they actually in? Are we 100% convinced of that? If they beat Oklahoma, if Utah loses, I'm not at all. I'm pretty sure they are, but I'm nowhere near 100%. Here's why. So let's say Utah does lose to Oregon. Baylor beats Oklahoma by one score, whatever it is, two, three, five, seven points. Georgia loses by a point or two versus LSU on that neutral field. If Baylor was number five in these rankings or even six, I am totally with Herb Street, 100% there. No doubt that Baylor is going to be that fourth team. But Baylor is still at seven. They're three full spots behind Georgia. And here's why. Here's why I'm not positive. The committee barely punished Alabama for losing to LSU a month ago. And they were smoked for like 40 minutes of that game and only kind of made it semi-close in the end. I mean, they barely dinged Alabama for that loss. So if Georgia plays a much better game against the same exact LSU team that's racked up all these resume wins, and let's say they lose by three points on a late field goal, why would they ding Georgia that much? If they didn't ding Alabama that much, why would they do it to Georgia? I mean, there would be there would be mass outrage if Georgia stayed at four in that scenario. 11-2 Georgia, who doesn't win the conference championship game, above 12-1 Baylor, who does win, and who just beat the sixth-ranked team. And I absolutely get it. I'm in the Baylor camp. I think that Baylor should be in in that scenario. No matter how they beat Oklahoma, no matter how Georgia loses to LSU, but I'm not at all convinced that they would be. So that's the first part of it. And really quickly, the second part, before I have Eddie, Joan, or Eddie George on the show and then Chase Kitty is going to jump on to review some conference title games and some uh, FCS playoff lines here, number two of this, if Georgia beats LSU, the field just stays the same. It doesn't matter what happens in the Pac-12, assuming that Clemson beats Virginia. It doesn't matter what happens in the Big 12. Georgia is obviously in that scenario, and LSU doesn't drop out. I don't know if we're talking about that enough. I have LSU in that game. Absolutely give me LSU, just like almost everyone else has. But Georgia could win this game. Okay, Andrew Dowdy back on the High Motor Podcast. Eddie George is this week. Chase Kitty back with lines this week. Let's fire it up. Eddie George dropping by the High Motor Podcast this week. Heisman winner, all pro, actor. New movie just dropped, another version of you. Hey, Eddie, congrats on the movie. You fired up about it? Man, I am pumped. Uh, you can see it every anywhere on a- iTunes, um, uh, Hulu, um, a different Amazon Prime. Um, it's just available anywhere you can get it. Really proud of the movie. It's done well in the theaters. A uh, few, few couple years back when it was first released, um, really proud to be a part of this project. Storyline is, is really funny. Uh, is 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 really deep thinking, thought provoking, um, and it, it'll it'll challenge you in ways that you you would never think. Um, so I'm really 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 proud to be part of this project. Yeah, that storyline. For those of you who haven't seen the trailer or seen it yet, it's about these alternate universes and. When you, were, when you were on game day last week and you retold that, that story of Penn State, your dream school wanting you as a linebacker, so this alternate universe, when you told them you wanted to play running back, did Joe Paterno just flat out tell you no? Did you even make that request to him? Uh, I did. Um, but, in fact, it was you know one of the coaches that said, well, we are honored, I'm going to be honest with you, we got three other running backs that are freshmen, redshirt freshmen, 
And the likelihood of you playing running back here is slim to none because they're all really good. And they really were. It was Mike Archie, Kajana Carter, Stephen Pitts, JT Morris, um, and just incredible athletes. And they were all young. And um, I said, wow, that, that broke my heart because I went to Penn State football camp in, in high school all three years. Um, and I was just like, oh, my God, I just – I was just so close to wearing the black cleats and the white pants and the blue jersey and big blue and state college. I mean, I remember when I cried after Penn State beat Miami in 1987 when Michael Irvin was their, their receiver and Melvin Bratton and all those guys. And and just to see that dream so close right there, I was like, ah, it just crushed me when, when Joe Pa and staff said no nah, we want to put you in a different position <laughs> so that was a tough one to swallow so if you had if you had taken that dream school i mean if you said i want penn state over a chance to play running back elsewhere obviously ohio state then what's what's your alternate universe there are you still big 10 player of the year as a, as a linebacker at penn state are you still going to be an nfl all pro linebacker how good of a linebacker were you i guess i'm asking um i i, I didn't play linebacker for a reason um, and that was because I thought I would be too good at it if I would never run the ball. Um, but I'm pretty sure had I put in the same work ethic, the same passion, uh, I would have had success at playing a linebacker. Uh, probably would have played a lot longer. Who knows? But um, my rush skills are pretty, pretty fantastic, I have to say. I had a spin move out of this world. I used to destroy uh, <laughs> my offensive tackles with. <laughs> I remember reading a story. I mean, this was probably like three or four years ago now where you're doing an interview and you were talking about kind of that decision. You were talking about your Ohio State visit. And I think you said some of the effect of it wasn't your best visit. You know, the guy who hosted you, I'm not sure who it was, because you were at a military academy, he just thought you were this straight and narrow military guy and you wanted to go out. But instead, you just sat inside and I think you said you played Yahtzee all night. Did you only visit Ohio State and Penn State or did you visit other schools too? I visited other schools. I went to uh, Virginia. Um, I visited Virginia. UVA was really great, which was only like 25, 30 minutes from Fork Union. And I probably had would have gone there for, if if it wasn't so close to Fork Union and if they would have played me or started me at running back, or not started me, gave me an opportunity at running back because Terry Kirby was leaving. So they said to me, well, everybody plays office and defense um, in camp, all the freshmen do. And I'm like, uh, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so you start off with the linebackers, then you'll make your way to the running backs. But um, uh, long story short, you know, I uh, once I took a visit to Ohio State, I just knew it was a place for me. And it wasn't until I was in the stadium and I felt the energy of the stadium. And I just visualized me making great plays. It was just like, you know how um, you ever seen that movie um, where – uh, the character may touch something and they get a vision of, of what would what, what happen there. Or they had a premonition of what was going to happen or what was going to occur. That, that's what happened to me in the stadium, believe it or not. I could just see different things and me making plays and having success uh, in Ohio Stadium. And there was no guarantee I was going to start there either because Robert Smith was there. Raymond Harris was there. Butler Benote. The backfield was loaded. So, but it was a still small voice that was telling me that this is the place. So when you got there, you said it was a loaded backfield. When you got there, was there at any point 
from day one when you stepped on campus as a student until you started playing more where you weren't really sure if that was the right call? Or did you know the entire time that Ohio State was the right decision after you made that decision? No, I, I questioned it after my freshman year, um, was whether it's the right move. Uh, they were trying to move me to fullback um, in summer camp. Uh, they wanted to get me on the field, so they made me their goal line running back. I had success there, and then I fumbled twice against Illinois in my freshman year, and I didn't see the, the field uh, until my junior year after that. But in between that time, I, I constantly questioned whether this is the right fit for me, if this is the right place for me. And maybe I, you know, maybe I did bite off more than I can chew. Maybe I should go somewhere else, be um, the big fish in the small pond. And But, again, something in my spirit told me to see it through, stick it out, be a man, and, and see what's on the other side for you. And were you ever close to transferring? I mean, was it a matter, like, if the transfer portal existed back then and it's so much easier for guys to get opportunities elsewhere, would you have left Ohio State in those first couple of years? Well, No. Um, I thought about it, but I never went through the process of that. Um, I just, again, I, 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 if I had I left Ohio State, I was running from something, only to face it somewhere else. So I was better off staying at Ohio State, facing my quote-unquote demons, and conquering them there versus getting reestablished someplace else in hopes that I would be successful someplace someplace else so um i just had to gut it out man i had to be a man about it going going back to this movie so so in the movie you're this mysterious guy who who gives a key to this young man to explore those alternate universes and i just had kirk herbster on the show uh your former teammate he says he was never offered money he was never offered any other benefits during his recruitment while he was at Ohio State, I'm curious, were you ever offered anything from any school or did you see any sort of, of benefits or, or money being exchanged during your recruitment or during your career? No, no. The only thing I was offered was a handshake and a ride to the airport. <laughs> and that was it. Um, I didn't see it. I'm pretty sure it's happened, but not in such a blatant way that I was able to eye that. Um, but you know, I wasn't highly recruited, and I was just thankful just to get just to get um, uh, a visit from somebody. I was just thankful for that. So, um, for me personally, I wasn't looking for money grabs or a money bag or any gifts or anything of that nature. Did people talk about that? Like your your teammates in the locker room? Did any of them say, "Yeah, I heard a story about this guy at this place"? Whatever was that ever really brought up during your career? No, no, it was never brought up. I mean, we didn't know for a fact if guys were getting paid or not. I mean, you can only speculate. Um, but we made fun of guys that did, you know, like, not that, well, we'll like say like, yeah, oh, uh, such and such is getting paid X, Y, and Z. He's got a new car or uh, he's got new clothes and um, he's been playing great. So you know what that means. I mean, but none, none of that was really talked about. In an NFL locker room, I'm curious, can you tell which guys are there that are just playing for the money and only the money? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can definitely see which guys are there. I mean, you call those guys, um, the guys, they're freeloaders. You know, they do just enough to make the team, but then when the season rolls around, you don't see them making any plays anymore. You know, when you think about it, you get, 
you know, four square meal, five square meals a week, lunch and, and, and dinner, you know, twice a day. You have a place to sleep, a hotel on game days. You get a little check. So guys never really pushed themselves sometimes to be more than just that. You know, they were satisfied getting a paycheck and eating them right every week and getting some Nike gear from the your team. So you can see the energy, the amount of effort to take guys put into it in terms of being a difference maker and helping the team and themselves be be better. But uh, you can you can definitely sense it. Did that ever cause any issues in the locker room? Oh, absolutely. Especially for a locker room that was together. You know, that wasn't tolerated in our, in our Titans locker room. You know, if you had that type of behavior, it was checked quick, quickly. You had to get up out of it because the energy and that um, is like a cancer. You know, it starts to spread. And that person that, that does, does just enough to get by, he's going to then make mockery out of those that work hard and do things extra and so forth. So I don't need to do all that. You know, just do this, X, Y, and Z, and, and cut corners. But that cut corner mentality will spill over into the heart of your soul of your team. And before you know it, it's spread and guys are taking uh, it for granted just being out there. So it was, it was important for us to really establish the locker room and to guard that culture as much as possible. I'm not looking to you for you to name any names or any specific examples or anything like that. But I mean, you said it gets taken care of and that guy ends up leaving how how does how does that process go down? Is that just a matter of the the leaders on the team speaking with each other and and speaking with that individual that that's not there um, for the team? How does that exactly work? Well, you get called out. I mean, it's just that simple. You don't you, you get called out. Say, oh, this guy's is here to, to collect a paycheck, and that's it. You can't trust them because the other guys were were we're all playing for something. We're all sacrificing something. We're all doing more than we have to do. And and when you can when you have a guy that you know you can count on, you can rely on him. Whereas the other guy, if he's in it for something different, you can't really trust him or rely on him. In times they, when times get tough, when adversity hits, oh, excuse me, when adversity hits, you um, you'll see the makeup of char- the character of a man, and um, and we, we often saw that. The other day, I, I saw a tweet from from somebody down there in Nashville saying that you're coming up here on the 20th anniversary of that Music City miracle uh, 20 years later now. I mean, we all as fans, we saw the play. We saw it on TV, the on-field celebration. What happened after that game? How did you guys did you guys treat that play? How did you treat one of the, the more incredible plays in sports history? Well, we felt had a sense of gratitude. We were fortunate that we were able to say, man, we get a chance to play another week. And we've already experienced the feeling of a loss. So we've already lost and won in the same breath because a loss like that can set an organization back 20, 30, 20 to 25 years. I'll allow the Buffalo bills. It set them back. They didn't get back to the playoffs not until last year. I don't think well, the first year that they've been back since the music city miracle. So we um, felt very fortunate that we were able to find a way to win a game. And we went in very relaxed, understanding that, Hey, we already felt like what it was like to lose. It wasn't a good feeling. So now we can relax and just play, play ball. Like I said, I had Kirk Herbster on the show the other day, and he says he doesn't think Urban Meyer is going to be the head coach at USC next year, 2020. Do you agree or disagree with that? Um, I don't know what to think, honestly. Um, I, I don't disagree or disagree. Uh, 
it, you know, Urban is is one that's um, very in the moment. One moment he he is enjoying his life without playing, without coaching football. And the next moment he he might want to do that. I think Urban has the ability and capability to coach anywhere he wants to coach, including USC if that's what he chooses to do. Um, I, I know that USC is looking for a a bigger splash from the head coaching position. Uh, Urban certainly does uh, fit that mode. Uh, the question is, does he want to go through the grind of it? Um, so I, I think, you know, Urban um, has earned that right to say, hey, you know, if he picks and chooses to do it, he will. If he doesn't, he doesn't. Hey, Eddie, before you go here, I'd love to uh, to run you through our two-minute drill or hurry-up offense. Number one, so if recruiting rankings were around when you came out of high school, what star recruit would you have been? Um, I would say I might have been a two-star, if that. Number two, you can have a guest spot in any current active TV show. What show do you want to be in? Man, that's a good one. Uh, uh, This Is Us. What's the favorite movie of all time? My favorite movie of all time. Um, I would have to say um, The Godfather. Have you ever been offered a coaching opportunity either in college football or the NFL? Uh, no. Would you ever have any interest in coaching in college football or the NFL? No. No, I wouldn't. Is Chase Young the best player in college football? Yes, he is. Do you think he'll win the Heisman Trophy? No, I don't. Why do you think he won't? I think based off of the two games that he was suspended, most voters may look at that as a, a mar on his, on his resume. Um, I think he deserves to win the Heisman based off of his body of work. Um, he lost without two, the two games that he missed. He may be holding a national record for sacks, um, but certainly he deserves the trip to New York. He deserves all the accolades he, he can get. He should be Big Ten Player of the Year. He should be um, a Maxwell Award winner. Um, I mean, he's, he's just uh, everything that you want in a player. But um, in terms of the Heisman, I think most folks will look at missing two games as a mark on his resume. Let's go up north, and I want to ask you, will Jim Harbaugh ever lead Michigan to the playoff? Uh, uh, not this year. <laughs> I, think he, I, think, I, 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 think, I think he's getting close. I, I really think he's getting close. And, and here, here's the thing. If it's not Jim Harbaugh, then who? You know? So I think you got to be patient nowadays. I think we all want instant gratification. We all want instant wins. And you have to understand what he inherited from Rich Rod was a bare cupboard. You know, they weren't built for the Big Ten. They were built to be a wide-open attack, something that you see in, you know, in the Big 12. That's not how they play football. So he's had to rebuild some things, find playmakers, find speed, find the girth, uh, change his uh, defensive philosophy, and instill – confidence in his in his team so uh, that being said you know this season was a testament to who Harbaugh is and I'm not at all a Michigan fan but I recognize a great coaching when I see it you know this this team was on the verge of, of, of losing their confidence offensively speaking earlier on only to muster through it fight through it and find offensive uh, firepower and now you know instead of them being a um, 18 point underdog. They're a nine point underdog against a team that destroyed them last year, Ohio State. So they've closed the gap on the talent deal. I think they still have a couple more seasons to go, 
But I think they need to be patient with Jim Harbaugh. I think he's the guy to get it done to make the build, rebuild Michigan to to the national footprint. Last thing for you, I got something kind of random here. So whenever I have a guest on, um, I do you know the same thing. I poke around everywhere to see if there's something new that I might have missed, something that that you said that I want to bring up. And when I typed your name into Twitter the other day, you know it was mostly references to your game day appearance, uh, the Ohio State rushing record with J.K. Dobbins. But there was one tweet that stuck out, and I got to ask you about it. The tweet was, Eddie George lost me $32,000 back in 2001. Eddie, I got to ask you, what did you possibly do in 2001 that cost this guy $32,000, and he's still pissed about it 18 years later? Hey, that's his fault. Um, <laughs> I have no idea. He may have bet, me, bet on the wrong game. Um, who knows? But, you know, if he's betting that type of money, golly, that's – He's he's an idiot for that one. <laughs> That's Eddie George, another version of you. Uh, like you said, you can get that puppy on iTunes just about anywhere streaming. Hey, Eddie, congrats again on the movie. Uh, really appreciate the time today. Thank you, my man. Chase Kitty of Richmond VA back on the High Motor Podcast looking ahead at conference championship lines. And it's the first time in, in what, 14, 15 weeks that we've talked where we don't have 45, 50, 55 games to look through. We do have 10 conference championships, and we'll talk FCS playoffs in a little bit. But first, I want to ask you about a few of those FBS conference championships. First, the Pac-12 championship Friday night. We finally have a reason to actually care about the Pac-12 championship game this year with Utah having a great shot at the playoff. Right now, and we're recording this Tuesday, and I'm looking at five dimes. Utah is a six-and-a-half point favorite. Total on that game, only 47. Do you like anything there? Yeah, so remember like 10 days ago when we were talking about Oregon as the de facto Pac-12 champion, and now they're a six-and-a-half-point underdog in this game? Uh, I think you have to be on the Oregon side here. It's just way too far of an adjustment in too short of a time period. I think these teams are probably relatively evenly matched, so the fact that Oregon is catching almost a touchdown I like that a lot. And then you mentioned the total, which is at 47. I know people are going to remember last year's just horrific game. Uh, But when you look at that number at 47, it opened the week at 51, and it's already all the way down to 47. So I do think there is some counter appeal here going over 47. uh, Pretty strong value there. Yeah, I'm really curious what that line would have been if Oregon like would have pulled it out late against Arizona State if the if the dynamic of that game the Oregon uh, Arizona State game hadn't changed that much but Oregon ended up winning on some fluke play I'm they curious what favored, that line right? I don't know would they have I, been I or would, would it have. still be Utah by a couple I, I think this is one of those scenarios where it's the line is a lot less about the game and the teams and more about how the public is thinking about the games and right now people are thinking about Utah as having a chance to play in the playoff. And a couple weeks ago, people were thinking about Oregon like that. And, and I think it's so much more about perception for this game. Uh, and I think that's maybe the case in the Big 12 as well. The teams that are perceived to be closer to the playoff maybe are perceived to also have more to play for. And so there's a high premium if you want to bet on those teams. I think we're, that's what we're seeing in the lines this week. Yeah, let's go to the Big 12. So Oklahoma, a big favorite in the Big 12 championship game. Not as big as they were a few weeks back in Waco. I think that was, what, 13 or 14? I think it was 10. I think it was, okay, round 10. So actually, they are pretty close then. So if it was 10, they're a nine-point favorite uh, this week. And the total on that game, 64 and a half. Did you touch that game a few weeks ago? 
I did, yeah. I bet a pretty good amount on it, on Baylor. So you took Baylor. Are you taking Baylor again? I am, yeah. And there's a couple of different ways to look at this. I think one of the ways uh, that we can start at is tr- the traditional moniker is that home field advantage is worth three points, right? So if you take the 10-point line that we had a few weeks ago, and, and I think it closed at 10. I don't think it opened at 10. But still, let's let's stick with 10. Take home field away from Baylor. Uh, they're now a seven-point underdog to Oklahoma. Here, you're getting them at nine. It opened at nine and a half. So that's one way to perceive some value on Baylor here. I think another way to perceive it is this was a close game, right? And in fact, Baylor jumped out to an early 25-point lead before Oklahoma comes all the way back and wins the game. Now, you can give Oklahoma credit for coming back. You can you know, ding Baylor for blowing that game. Either way, it was a close game between two teams that I thought looked pretty evenly matched. Uh, So if you're going to give Baylor nine points in a championship game, I'm going to take the points. You're right. I went back to look at the line history of of that game earlier. What was that on November 16th? I thought it was around 13 to 14, but you were right. I mean, looking at different books, uh, Bet Online, Bet Now, Bovada, all that, I mean, it hovered between nine and ten and a half. Some had it at like eight or eight and a half, but it was generally within nine to ten and a half. And you're right. So we're almost. Uh, right on that. Let's go to the one that I think more people are going to be interested. You mentioned right before we hopped on that that you think that this game is bigger than than what the actual line is, the opportunity here. Why do you think that LSU, 7.5 point favorite, 54.5, I think this game will have bigger ratings than any other game. Everybody's going to have their eyeballs on it. Very curious to see if Georgia can pull the upset, sneak into the playoff, keep those four teams exactly the same. What do you not like about this game? Yeah, so this is obviously the best game of the weekend, right? I, I think other games have, have equally big stakes in terms of the winner. It has a very good shot at the playoff. Uh, but this is, I think, the as it often is, the SEC championship game. This is probably the, the premier outing of the weekend. I think, as you alluded to, something I told you earlier today, I think the game itself from a football perspective is more interesting than the game from a gambling perspective. When I look at LSU and Georgia, Georgia maybe has a tad bit more to play for here because LSU can still lose and have a pretty reasonable shot at getting into the playoff. But both teams want to win. They want to win the conference championship. They want to make sure they secure a berth. They don't want to leave anything up to chance. So that's number one. Number two, both of these games, uh, both of these teams are seven and five against the spread on the year. And for LSU's part, how they got there is a lot different than Georgia because Georgia sort of has a standard uh, scatter spread uh, of covers and and non-covers throughout the year. LSU failed to cover a lot of games late, and that's because as the something I've talked about before, as the books with a team like LSU, the deeper you get into the season, the more and more they adjust because they because they know that the public throwing shit over there. Yeah, my phone dropped. Sorry. Uh, I'm podcasting in the dark still, and I was using my phone as a lighter, so now I'm just completely in the dark, but that's fine. Um, You want me to just keep going? Yeah, I'm not chopping this out. Even better. Why would I chop this out? This is just good podcasting. Yeah, really let the people know how we do it. This isn't just a fake artificial show. I want people to know that Andrew doesn't pay me to be on this podcast, and there's no electricity in this room right now. You're podcasting in the dark. I always podcast in my closet. It's the only quiet place in the house. We don't have a door on the bedroom. Great place, but I'm always in the closet. I couldn't. We're doing this on Tuesday night. I haven't showered yet today, and I can't shower until after we podcast because there's no vent in the closet. So I'll sit in here, even though it's like 10 degrees outside, and I'll sweat my ass off. 
We should this rename is real. this from high motor to low power. This That's is a raw podcast right here. Yeah. Anyway, LSU Georgia, in case anybody's still listening, uh, LSU Georgia, I just don't think the the way that LSU has failed to cover games down the stretch of the season, I would be very careful about betting them. A lot of people are going to be on them for obvious reasons. And it's not LSU's fault that they haven't covered, right? This is what Vegas does with a big, powerful public team like this. They continue to adjust the spreads throughout the course of the season so that when you get into November in college football, when everybody knows LSU is good and everybody's betting LSU, the books are on the right side of those lines. So so I would be careful here. Uh, I, I don't necessarily like a side in this, especially when you when you compare it to the value in, in some other championship games like the Big 12 and the Pac-12 and maybe even the ACC. I would stay away from this. I do think there is maybe just a little tiny bit of value on Georgia, especially if you're catching that hook. But LSU's offense has been so good against everybody. I would just be really careful no matter what side you take. So those were the three games that I had in my notes that I was really curious about. But, I mean, seven other conference championship games this weekend. We didn't even talk any G5 there. I'm curious if you have any thoughts on there. Anywhere else but those three that you like this weekend. I think maybe just a, a quick addendum on the ACC championship game. Um, this is a this is another one that's sort of hard to take a position on. But Clemson is playing UVA, and the game opened at Clemson minus 21.5. It has been bet all the way up to 28.5. So almost on principle, you you want to consider UVA. The problem is, do you really want to step in front of the Clemson freight train right now? Um, if anything, I might consider maybe the under, under 55, which has come up from 53. Uh, but again... Do you really want to stand in front of that Clemson offense? Are you really afraid of UVA's defense? What's the money on in this one? Do you have the numbers right there? What I are the do. Tickets it, on? It's it's pretty close. Uh, Sixty. Uh, this is per. Uh, I use the Action Network app for a lot of this stuff these days, and it's a great app if you happen to. I highly recommend Premium. Free plug for them. They. they it's a fantastic thing. Uh, so the according to their app right now Tuesday night, sixty three percent of the public betting Clemson, sixty four percent of the money on Clemson. of the public on the over, 78% of the money on the over. So a slight, slight lean for the money on the under, and that's sort of where I would lean too. Not just because it's a contrarian play, but because I could see UVA's offense really struggling against Clemson's defense. And, you know, it's a championship game. I don't think it's going to be 55 to you know, 28 when you consider the personnel and the schemes and, and that sort of thing for these two teams. It's a championship game that, that nobody gives a shit about. It's going to be one of those games like where people aren't going to watch unless it's close in the fourth quarter. I'm not going to watch this game. I'm going to monitor it. I'm curious about it, but I'm not going to actually turn it on unless it's within a touchdown in the fourth quarter. I think a lot of people are in the same boat. If you feel like you really want to bet that game, especially because it's late at night, and so you know you like to get that last bet in, maybe you're up on the day and you want to see if you can score a couple extra dollars, I do think that there is traditional value on UVA because it's such a massive swing. It's a full seven-point swing from Clemson 21.5 to 28.5. So traditionally there's value on that, but again, that's that's a big train to step in front of. 
Yeah, aside from checking it out maybe during halftime, I think it starts like a half hour before the Big Ten Championship game, so it won't align perfectly, so there will be some gaps in there. You can check it out during halftime, uh, you know, wrapping up there. But, yeah, I cannot imagine the ratings for that game are going to be huge. All right, last few minutes we have here, I want to talk FCS. Before we get to some actual lines, that Illinois State debacle from last weekend, you, after I, I think after they have officially you lost that money, I can't remember how much you had on it, you texted me and said that, it's, it just kind of goes into how you're doing this as a sharp better. You said if you're going to win money, you also need to be okay with losing money. Because this is going to happen. You're going to take massive hits like last weekend. You're going to take massive hits like that Illinois State-Southeast Missouri game. And even though that result was stunning to you as a better, you didn't seem that pissed about it. Yeah, so there's a lot of ways to take this. And I think the first thing is is exactly what you said. Anytime you bet money, you have to be prepared to lose it. And I had a mid four figure range across multiple sports book accounts on this game. And I was prepared to lose that money because you have to be prepared mentally. Anytime you place a bet, you can't be shocked if you lose because you can always lose. So that's number one. Number two, I think it's important to point out that a lot of, a lot of old school betters or professional betters will probably tell you not to do what I did. Right. Because percentage wise, I wasn't all in in any of my accounts or anything, but it was a significant percentage of my overall bankroll. It was not 1% or 3% or what people would tell you. You know, if you have a $1,000 bankroll, you should technically probably be only betting 10 or $20 at a time. Uh, you don't want to put 25% of your bankroll into one bet. It's just not wise. Uh, unless you're really confident and you really know what you're doing. And even then, you got to be prepared to lose. Number three, I think when you do lose a big account, a big sum like that, I think a lot of people are tempted to overcorrect, right? Like, oh, I just lost, let's say, $1,000. I better make this next bet $500 when I would normally bet $50 because I'm trying to get back to even, right? I don't know if you, I know you've seen Molly's game, but for like listeners that have maybe seen Molly's game or other gambling movies, you know, Molly has that, that internal monologue line in the movie. Like I'm just trying to get back to even that should be the second sentence in every gambler's bio. He died trying to get back to even. You, you just have to accept that you're going to be down for a little while and you have to work back toward that. So I think those are the notes that I would provide is don't go crazy if you're going to put yourself in that position. Just slowly sort of edge yourself back in the direction that your bankroll was in. And don't let Illinois State assistant athletic directors talk shit to you on Twitter. So I pull up the, the FCS lines and I always agree with a little bit of surprise here. So let me ask you. Are you going to be betting on the NCAA Division II quarterfinals, Notre Dame College at Slippery Rock? I know almost nothing about Division II football. I do know that one of the teams I'm looking at betting on this week had a transfer from Slippery Rock. That is the extent of my knowledge of that game. You can even bet NAIA this weekend. Uh, I I can. I can tell you that I won't, but I could. So what FCS playoff games do you like? Uh, I, I like a lot of the favorites this week, and I think when you look down the schedule— uh, obviously you have to start with North Dakota state and JMU this year, as in some previous years, those are considered the top two teams in the field and that everybody else is sort of significantly behind them. North Dakota state is playing Nichols this week. They're laying 28. JMU is playing Monmouth this week. They're, they're laying 23. I think both schools, I, I mean, 
I just talked about how there's no such thing as a lock. Both schools are going to win. I mean, it, it would be like a monumentally historic upset if either one of them lost. Like it, it, it would be big enough to lead Sports Center. It wouldn't because it's FCS football, but that's how big it would be if one of those two teams lost in this round to these opponents. Uh, I do think they both probably cover, but laying those big numbers, like I would be very careful about that. I think there are better spots. I would avoid Illinois State. I'm not going to tell you to bet against them because we've already done that. And I'm not doing that again. But uh, this this does feel a little bit like a I'm coming back from my money kind of game because they are a road favorite again. And I just don't... <laughs> I, I struggle to even say this. I just don't think they can do what they did last week again. I I can't imagine two teams in a row going, oh, they really kind of only have one option on offense. So we're, but our plan isn't going to be to stack the box either. We're just going to, you know, we're going to put five or six in there and see what happens, which is kind of what happened all last game. Their running back had 300 yards in one game. It was, it was like a time machine. Anyway, uh, I, I would look at some of the other, uh, some of the other games. Let's, let's pull up the full playoff schedule here. We got, uh, South Dakota state minus seven. I think that's an interesting one. Uh, their quarterback went down for the season a couple weeks ago, so they're playing shorthanded, but the team they're playing against is way more shorthanded. I think they lost like six or seven players in last week's game. So I think that could be an interesting spot there. Weber state minus 10. I like that a lot. They're playing an option team and they're very stout up front. So I think that could get ugly pretty quickly. Uh, Montana state minus nine. I would probably stay away from. Montana minus 11, I, I think that could be a, a, a nice spot as well because 11 points, not quite a crooked number, but it is kind of in there in no man's land between 10 and 14, and I do think they win that by multiple scores. Alrighty, so those final playoff rankings coming on Sunday. Chase and I will hop on shortly thereafter, breaking down those uh, after the Utah-Oregon game, after the Big 12 championship game, after SEC championship game. Going to be really fascinating weekend. Thanks again to Eddie George for chatting this week. Chase, always appreciate the time. Uh, in the meantime, check out all episodes of the High Motor Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Spotify, Overcast, anywhere you do your podcasting. Chase is on Twitter, at Chase A. Kitty. I am at Dowdy 88 and the pod is at High Motor Pod. Thanks for checking out the High Motor Podcast. We'll be back on Sunday. I saw a friend today. It had been a while. And we forgot each other's name. But it didn't matter cause deep inside The feeling still remained the same We talked of knowing one before you've met And how you feel more than you see And other worlds that lie in spaces in